hey, hey, and welcome to Insurance Town. I'm the Mayor Heath Sheeran and the host of this podcast, and I'm pumped that you're here today. We've got a great guest today. We've got great sponsors. We're in the middle of an election for sheriff. All big things going on in Insurance Town because of you, my audience, and I love it so much. I'm so thankful to have Smart Choice as a sponsor of my show. They're doing some great things for agencies across the country. Over 9,000 of them. They are the fastest growing agency network in the country. They'll find new markets for you. They'll negotiate higher commissions. They'll negotiate uh, lower premium thresholds. They'll do all those things to help you be successful in your agency. They've also partnered up with uh, so many different vendors to help you out. They've got uh, marketing reps and territory managers and state directors all across the country. They're easy to get in touch with, smartchoiceagents.com. Please go check them out. Also, I'm so very thankful to have my friends over at CoverDesk. If you're looking to take some of those tasks off your plate to get back to doing what you do best or get your staff back to what they do best, selling, uh, building relationships, going to, to meetings, being involved in the community, things like that, get you a virtual assistant. Go to CoverDesk.com and check it out. My boy Andy over there does so much training with them so they know our industry, they know our systems, they know our carriers. They do a phenomenal job. CoverDesk.com. On to today's show. It's going to be phenomenal. It is going to be a great show because I've got my friend Tracy Cotton today. She has been a consultant at Astonish. She has uh, started a niche from scratch in the farm industry. She started a podcast within that niche. She has uh, been a CSR. She is a CISR. She has done so many big things. She's been on other podcasts. She has grown a great and mighty brand. And now she's most recently moved to Chattanooga. She's the Nuga new girl. And she has got a whole new thing going on. She's got a lot of passion, a lot of energy. She loves our space. Uh, we love her in Insurance Town. Can't wait for you to check it out. Sit back. Relax and enjoy my conversation with Tracy Cotton. So, uh, what's going on, Tracy Cotton? How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. How is the mayor of Insurance Town going doing today? Man, life is good. Uh, life is good, and I I understand. Uh, well, not new anymore, but uh, are you acclimating okay to Tennessee? Uh, back in Tennessee again, I should say. I am absolutely loving it. Uh, Chattanooga doesn't know what hit it yet. I have been. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've I've been already trying to make my mark, and uh, you'll you'll hear more about that as as time goes on. I, I reckon. Yeah, I uh, I grew up in Franklin, Tennessee, and I know you went to college somewhere in Tennessee, I believe, or you know you're from that area. I think so. We have a little Tennessee connection there. We certainly do. I grew up in L.A., also known as Lower Antioch, south of Nashville. <laughs> yeah, and and then I went to when I. I went to college at Austin P up in Clarksville. So let's go P. I had, a, I really, I've, I've always loved uh, Tennessee and North Carolina was fantastic. I still miss the mountains. I miss a lot of my friends that I had all over the state, but Tennessee has been most welcoming to take me back home. Well, there you go. 
you know, in Arkansas, we're not the greatest at football. Uh, we love our Razorbacks, but we want to schedule an easy win. We'll we'll schedule Austin P. <laughs> uh, yeah. Or for basketball, we'll try to get an easy win there. Although your basketball team's been pretty good lately. But anyway, uh, before we get too far off into, into squirrel land, uh, let's take a, a walk down memory lane. Why don't you take me back as far as you want to in your career and lead me up to where you are today? Because you've had a, an interesting past and a, and a fun career. So it uh, sounds a lot like mine. So let's uh, let's get into it just a little bit. Well, I appreciate it, Heath. It's It's been a lot of fun. I, I like to think that whenever I got the least bit bored or something just seemed like it was a little bit hard, I could always change and do something different within the insurance I answered an ad to do customer service, I think probably was what I was going to do initially and ended up at a carrier as an underwriter and did that for a few years, ended up meeting um, my former husband. And uh, that was how I got to North Carolina. We were both in insurance and both still are. We cross paths occasionally other than just having a, a mutual love of our daughter but it's, it's been a really interesting ride because past being an underwriter, I've done just about everything except for claims. I don't envy anybody who actually is a claims adjuster. I know some folks that have done great at it. It's not something that I ever aspired to be, but CSR producer, I did training. I've done, I've been a consultant. That was a fun gig. I did that for about a year, about a decade ago. I, you and I were talking off off, uh, off, offline about uh, how I got involved with uh, the very late Astonish results. And that gig was fantastic because even though it didn't last but a year, I got to travel the country. I was able to get into a lot of different agencies and recognize that they had similar problems to what I was seeing in the agency that I came from, as well as just what it looks like to be, you know, in different states and different challenges that they have, no matter what size the agency was or what their niche was, we all have some of the same, same things that we deal with. And so that was a fantastic ride. And I learned a lot about digital marketing during that time period. And, and you also got to work with a mutual friend of ours in I Kelly did. Donahue Piro. Love her. Yes. Kelly and I have had a, a great time, I think, really being able to just maximize on what we learned during that time period. She came from outside of the insurance realm at that point, but she caught on pretty easily. She could see probably that outsider's view of how uh, dysfunctional a lot of the agencies were and how the roles were. And we just, we were struggling, I think, a lot back then. And I look and see how different things are now. And I'd, I'd like to think that we're really, I think as an industry, we're, we're, we're a lot better off than we were 10 years ago, but there's still a considerable amount to be done. And that's why Kelly gets to do what she does so well, getting out and has agencies that, you know, are looking for her all over the country to to spend time with them and help them get better and, and be able to serve their clients better. But then I ended up in North Carolina and I spent, I had spent the rest of my time at the agency that I was at in North Carolina doing a little bit of everything. And really, I felt like it was, I was at my peak. I was really at that epitome of really getting to do something that just absolutely, I was passionate about both on and off, you know, you know, when I wasn't even in the office. And that's really kind of what it became is it became a, a not just a full-time job, but it became a lifestyle. And that, that joke about the lifestyle agent, I'm like, no, 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 no. A lifestyle agent is when you make what you do part of the lifestyle. And that's actually, you know, not just that you're kicking back and getting to be on the beach and still writing policies or whatever it is that some of our friends that we know pretty well, probably in this industry are getting to experience. 
it really, for me, was was absolutely doing a deep dive into a very small field, and that was farm to fork. I say farm to fork. I mean, it's pretty broad when you consider it everything from what starts the farm all the way to what we eat on our forks. But that was something that I, I loved. I loved the idea of working with those clients. And I just got out and I spent a tremendous amount of time literally in the field with, with clients and prospects in the places where they learn from. I, w- I went to tons of conferences. I got to go to uh, the North Carolina Commodities Conference a couple of years ago, and I showed up to get my name tag, and they were really baffled that my last name was Cotton, and yet I did not grow it. That was, that was fun times. <laughs> so when I, yeah, that's when interesting. When I decided to make the move to Tennessee, I I had hoped, I think at that point, really to just pick up that farm to fork suitcase and just move it with me. And then I just realized that it was one of those kind of things where it might not fit. It might not be what I needed to do for the rest of my life. Just because I had been doing it, had been doing well at it, didn't mean that was the last stop necessarily. And I recognized that I maybe had taken it as far as I wanted to go with it at the time anyway. And did not find the opportunity that really fit to be able to bring it with me. And instead found something that took everything that I'd learned thus far, everything that I've done in my career, I pretty much do on a daily basis. Now, I, I, I work with clients. I work with the companies. I am assisting a absolute rock star of a, of a producer in order to be able to help him to be able to produce more and get to spend more time with his clients that they weren't getting even necessarily from their own account executives. I I absolutely loved being an account executive for years and loved really, you know, doing that deep dive of spending time with the the different clients. This is a little bit different because I really run interference between the producer and the account executives, as well as spend more time with the clients on things that an account executive really isn't going to get really down and dirty with, really dissecting audits spending really a lot of time working on renewal reviews so that when that comes up, that we're really prepared to to make the best play. What I'm seeing nowadays is it's so competitive on larger accounts. And that's where most of the accounts that we play, that's the playground we're in is, is really large accounts. They're under the gun. And those are the ones that everybody's going after. And we've got a lot of large, large brokerages and so forth that we compete with. And how do you compete except for really being prepared with the best advice and the best value you can bring them beyond just what they're seeing in insurance policies. So that's where I'm at now. And also loving Chattanooga. I I absolutely love Chattanooga. And I got family that's south of there in Georgia, actually. So um, I, I love it. And living in Tennessee, I got to go down there quite a bit and just love that area altogether. Um, so I'm glad you're happy there. I'd love to hear your story. Uh, I'm over here taking notes already. You didn't gotten into the good stuff. But um <laughs> No, I, I love what you said. I'm going to go back a little bit because there's so much to dissect, but I do love what you said about a lifestyle agent. Uh, and again, that, that's been, you know, a negative connotation for so long for some people to think of those people who just have their feet propped up and they're hanging on the golf course all day long. But what you said was uh, your lifestyle agent is uh, what you, uh, when you make what you're doing as a part of your lifestyle. And I want to know if you, if you want to jump into that a little bit more, or you just want me to say, Hey, I enjoyed that. We can move on. <laughs> No, because I actually think that that would go along with some other things that I know that we we might want to end up getting to talk about. I know that there's some things that are top of mind for me right now for certain. I think that in order to, and, and really, I think that this is true of any niche marketing 
And, and really, when you're really looking at the idea of working with certain niches, you really have to understand them. And I've got good friends that have, you know, understood the part to where they, they literally, you know, had costumes. Uh, I, I know that uh, Nick, Nicholas Ayers may be a little bit shy of sharing the fact that he used to dress like a chef and actually worked primarily with restaurants back in the day when he was in California as an insurance agent starting out. It wasn't necessarily starting out, but that was one of the things that he did is he literally was the insurance chef. And I, I understand that kind of branding and I understand how that delving into to be part of a niche works because I wasn't opposed to wearing overalls and, and, and showing up at conferences dressed as a tomato. It went beyond that though. And that was really trying to begin to fully understand the clients that I was serving and also how they connected. Because one of the things that I found to be most helpful is the referral business. And the referral business can work in so many different directions. If I'm working with a farmer that is starting to grow specific ingredients to put into beers, and they were, we, I, I know one of the farms that I worked with was that was one of the things they did. I mean, they were growing ginger and they were producing a specific type of mint and some of the things that are more inventive that breweries are starting to put into their beers now, if I'm doing a good job for them and they know who I know and I'm connecting them with people, it's not hard. It's not a hard sell for them to connect me to the breweries that they're working with. And then that's the breweries that I'm getting introduced to, which I can also turn around and introduce to them as new clients. There's, there's that microcosm that you can become a part of, whether it be part of just a niche or part of a greater community. I mean, literally speaking, I mean, we know that you look at somebody uh, that has a a community like Stafford Springs and Chris Paradiso, he's the go-to guy in that community. Everybody in the community knows him because he's so connected to the community. And, you know, that's what the beauty of that local agent can be, but he's painted himself a lot bigger than that. And he obviously can reach a lot farther. I think that it works both ways. And I know that for myself, that it became just something was... I could talk the talk. I I didn't have any circles that I would be put into that I couldn't really kind of get into and talk about what was going on in that greater circle of farm and food and beverage and, and what that looked like. And that's, that's exactly what I think this is necessary nowadays. I, I just, I don't think that we, I can talk insurance all day, but if I can't talk about what they are experiencing and tie it into what it is that I offer, then, you know, they, they don't really have a lot of value for you. I don't think. No, I agree with you completely. And, you know, it goes back to, uh, you know, back when I was a producer, uh, I would, you mentioned this earlier, I wrote a lot of general contractors and, and a part of that I would get referred and I would do a lot of referring for the artisan contractors that went with them. Yeah. And it became that symbiotic relationship of, you know, I would write the general and they'd say, hey, you know, I'm looking for, I'm starting a new job, I'm looking for an HVAC guy. I've got one, you know, I can introduce you. Or, you know, they would say, hey, you know, you did a good job of mine. Let me introduce you to my plumber or my framer or my this or my that. And eventually got to a point where we were speaking the same language. I knew what his payrolls were, what he paid on jobs. And he knew what my rates were, so to speak. And he could help me. And we just had this network of referral business back and forth because I spoke his language. He spoke my language. We would have lunch, you know, at least once or twice a month just to continue that relationship. And so, you know, I think that's exactly, you know, what you were saying, what you were doing with the farmers. And it, and it was, it was, it was really key to what that I, what I was doing and what I was looking to grow in. It's, it's not something I think that everybody necessarily, you know, maybe they don't want to do it and they 
there's, and I'm sure there's niches out there that may not require, but I will tell you that I, I know somebody in North Carolina that has done uh, exceedingly well with uh, zip lines. And he'll tell you that he actually now is certified to do a zip line. He could actually take you up, strap you in, get you all hooked in and, and, and be legal about it because he's already been through that, that kind of training. How much better is it that he can actually work with zip lines? And he's got clients all the way out to Hawaii. I mean, how, how terrible is that to have to go visit a client? And it's because that was something that he recognized that it was a, there was a gap and he decided to go deep in it. And I think that that's fantastic. It's, it's not for everybody. There's obviously lots of things you can do that you don't have to. And, you know, just because I, I've only brewed beer once, I mean, it's not like I'm an expert, an expert in brewing beer. I just, sure. I can talk the language and you yeah, didn't have to, I, uh, you, didn't, you didn't have to be a brick mason. You didn't have to, to, you know, to, to go out and be a plumber. You just knew what they were talking about. Yeah, no, I think that's fantastic. I've talked about in the past in uh, other episodes I've done about rolling up your sleeves and working with some of your customers. And one of the things, I don't know if I've told this or not, I probably haven't, but um, my, my father and I wrote some municipalities and one of those being the town I live in. And they had a, a thing called the, the, the Maumel, which is the town I live in, the Maumel Police Academy. And it was just kind of a, a fun little thing they did, but I got to go through that and do some ride-alongs and go through some of that. But that way I knew their language. I knew every cop on the force, which helps me now because sometimes I get a heavy foot and I can get away with driving a little faster because I know the cops. But that's another story. And then I got to go visit, you know, hang out in the fire station. And I've gotten to, you know, go see the animal, you know, place where they do the animal control. And I got to go to the water plant and do some of these different things in the city so I could speak their language a little bit better. And my father has, to this day, still has that account for 20 some odd years now. But throughout my career, I've been able to be a part of that. And it's been huge for me, again, going back to speaking that language and getting involved and rolling up your sleeves to work alongside that. It helped us to write some more municipalities throughout the years. And so uh, I think you're dead on there. And it also helps you with your personal branding, which I've noticed also. Um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sound like a stalker here. But I have been on your, your, your LinkedIn lately, and I've noticed, um, you know, you put some stuff out there lately about branding. And I'm assuming when you mentioned earlier, you've got some things top of mind for you, um, you know, that this has been on your brain. And I thought you had a, a good post a couple of days ago about what does your personal brand mean to you? Is it a tagline or is it a logo and a name or is it a unique job title? You know, or as you talked about a minute ago, dressed up like a tomato. You know, uh, so that's got to be something I'm assuming that's on top of your mind right now. And I'd love to dive into some of that um, and and not to set you up, but I do want to talk about it from the standpoint of I think that too many agencies are foolish to not allow their producers or their CSRs to brand themselves within their agency. And I think it might be a lack of trust. Uh, it might be a, a fear maybe of them leaving but what do you think about that? I, I think that that's something that's definitely changing. And that's something that I'm, I'm trying to learn a little bit more about because I know what my experience had been. And I, I look back and I think that I saw a lot of other agents that had wondered how I got to do as much of the things that I did. I had my own business card. I had my own website. I had I'm trying to think of all the different things that I did. I did a podcast for a little bit there. We had to shut it down because my podcast partner, Vicki, was working for a particular insurance carrier that won't let you, because she was working, she was literally, she was a, she was a captive. So she was a captive agent and they were going to require that they actually 
saw or listened to all of our content before we could publish it. And we said, okay, no, we'll just stop doing it. We suspected that it might actually come to that, but we had put a little disclaimer at the end and tried to do all the things that we thought that we could do in order to keep her from having to deal with that. But it was yeah, great. Totally because, understand that. And it was, it was, it was good because we were doing similar things in different States and able to continue to do what we did without feeling like we're too much competition, I guess you could say. It was definitely part of that branding. It was definitely part of what I see is super positive in this industry that people can do. And for a producer, especially if it's somebody who's new or young, I, I have I always I always kind of trip over that part because I, I, re- I realize that we're starting to see some folks come into the insurance industry that aren't necessarily coming in at age 22. They're coming in at, at age 32, 42, and so forth. And there's been they, some that are, that are coming in as their encore career. Maybe they've yeah. done something else for 20 yeah. years and now they're like, I'm going to finish out and they found it late in life. So yeah, I'm right there. Found it late in life. With that, though, there's just this opportunity that I think that can be missed in an agency where there's a conflict on what is allowed and what's not allowed from a branding perspective, as well as there's probably a fair number of agents out there that they just they're not realizing what they're missing by actually branding themselves to actually try to build upon a brand. They maybe think that you know it's they're they're comfortable. They think oh well you know and I. Actually, I have a friend that worked for Marsh McLennan for years, and he would tell you he knew that he was part of a brand, that he could just say that name and people would recognize it, but he didn't want to be recognized for that. He wanted to be recognized for him and what he brought to the industry, to his particular niche, especially because he was very niche oriented and grew up a tremendous book of business. He just recently left, not because he was disillusioned with what was going on there or They had never had any issue with his branding, but because he had a fantastic opportunity to to become a CEO and who doesn't want to do that with an agency that is growing in North Carolina. And I'm just really excited for him on that. There's just a lot of that that I'm seeing from people who could just sit back on their laurels and sit behind the brand of the agency that recognize the value of it. And if they recognize the value of it, I think that more agency owners should recognize the value of it. What I ran into most recently that I thought was very interesting, though, is I recognized when you're talking about it's a lack of trust, it's sometimes not just that. I was interviewing as, as you know, as, as a lot of us, you know, start doing when they're looking to, to move. And I was interviewing and I had been involved with a, a podcast where it was I talked about this topic and there was a little bit of, of negativity there really painted towards the agency owners that was not fully intended. It was really just to kind of say, hey, you know, wake up. It's going to, you know, it's it, this is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. And then like the very next week, I talked to an agency owner who wanted to tell me their point of view on the subject. And what they were looking at was the idea that there's a tremendous amount of in some cases, like I'm working for a hundred year old agency. I came from a hundred year old agency. There is legitimate brand there. You know, if you're in a community and you have been like the, the agency that I work for now started out in Calhoun, Georgia, they're headquartered in Calhoun, Georgia. They have a huge, I say huge footprint, but they are very well known in Calhoun North all the way to now Chattanooga, you know, from and North of Atlanta, really, that's where they've, they've, that, that particular, that's their, that's the place that they've been selling. They've, they've expanded. They've got seven locations. People 
know the name. That I'm not knocking. I don't want anybody to think that I think that an agency that has, you know, has taken the time and the money, they've invested the money in in a logo, perhaps they've invested the money in a you know, good, good websites and good marketing. What is the reality, however, is that right there, I'm not saying any producer should just be like going, you know, just thumbing their nose at an, an agency that they're wanting to work for. Having that, have that, definitely have that, play upon that where you can. But what is an issue is you a lot of times have producers that are in an agency that maybe that particular brand is strong but not as strong as it could be for what they're going after. I was talking to people all over North Carolina that had no idea who Morrow Insurance was when I was when I was doing Farm Before. They they weren't near us. We were much more locally based. We were based out of Western North Carolina, had been there for a hundred years. But if you weren't in Henderson County, where we were located, Buncombe County, or those surrounding counties, you were not likely going to hear about us. That's where Tracy Cotton, Farm to Fork Insurance agent, that's where it really was going to benefit the agency if I could actually develop my own brand to be in front of them. And they recognized me, even if they didn't recognize the agency. And that was because it was going to be me who was showing up, my face that was going to be out there. And the reality is, it's also skin in the game. I know that there's that that trust issue of what if they take off with that book of business. They've developed this book of business on the back of the agency with the agency's resources, with the agency support, and then they take off with it. I, I, I get that fear, but I paid for my own stuff. And right. needless to say, you know, I'm, I was commission-based, so I figured it was an investment. Sure. I, I just like, I know people who happen to work for Farm Bureau and they will put their own dollars in that they can, of course, also write off at the end of the year to put their face on a, on a, you know, a, a park bench or in a grocery cart, those little ads in the grocery carts. I don't look at them either, but apparently right. some people do those. When you actually are putting that in there and you're the one paying for that part, or you're actually taking the time and you're putting your effort into starting a podcast that's about your business and you're trying to, to, to do it. And maybe only, you know, Star Matthews or Morrow Insurance only shows up as kind of the subtitle. The benefit is still that you've got somebody who's working really, really hard to get out there. And if they're willing to put that kind of time and effort into it and can show that it's results and not just time spent. And that's, that's I, I get that because an agency owner needs to make sure that this person's actually producing. If they're not producing anything that all they're doing is playing around, as, as I know that people have accused people of, of playing around on social media all day, I can get it. But give it some time. Let them know that, you know, that, you know, maybe they, they need to put some money in on it. They need to, as an agency, help that person. But if, if everybody's kind of like, you know, knows where that is and when that is, I think that's a fair thing to, to put out as a, as a producer, as an offer to an agency owner that this is what I want to do. But here's the parameters. I recognize that I have to show some fruit. I recognize that I have to put some skin in the game and I'm not going to diss. I'm definitely not going to put myself out there without making sure that everybody knows where I'm coming from and so forth or whatever that makes everybody feel better about. But I think it's sure. But I think also as an agency principal, if you're listening to this as a principal or as an agent, whichever one, but if you're a principal and you're listening to this, I think you can support and you can facilitate that personal brand from your your staff and in a way that would make them not want to leave, uh, that would make them want to continue to stay there and work with you and maybe even, you know, have a, a, an ownership in their brand within your agency. 
say, you know, going back to your farm to fork, if uh, the agency, Morrow agency would have, you know, allowed you to have some ownership in that book, it may have been a different story. Uh, or if you're out there creating your own niche, you know, maybe you go to your principal or maybe the principal comes to you and, hey, I'd love for you to have some ownership in the, in your book or in this segment or whatever skin the game looks like. But also go back to, even if that's not the case, if you can support them, not just monetarily, but, you know, any other way that you can professionally to help them to develop that, they're not going to want to leave. If you provide that culture, if you provide that that value to them, they're going to see that as I've got that ownership in it without having the, the payroll expenses, without having the overhead, without having that. And I get my own brand and people know me for that. And our, and our friend, I know we have a friend in common in Bradley Flowers. Uh, he says it best of, you know, if you, if you pay attention to him or stalk him as I do on LinkedIn, sometimes you'll see he posts a lot of stuff about his culture and his agency. And one of the things he wants to foster is his people having their own brand. And he says, if they do leave me and he understands it's going to happen, he wants his agency to be the best jumping off place for his people. So they have, you know, a great place to jump off, to start their own. He wants to, you know, to be able to support them in that and understand where he's coming from on that. But if not, you know, he wants to provide the best culture for them to stay at his agency and continue to grow their brand. And I think he does a great job of that. And, you know, he's still young in his agency, but I think he's on to something. And I hope that because he's got a big following. I hope that that propels other agencies to think the same way. I 100% agree with you on that, Heath. It's 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 where it's where you find that balance, and it's where you can try to make that development happen. And for me personally, they never there was never at any point in time anybody that said Tracy you really need to dial down this farm to fork thing. You know, nobody ever did, and I was very fortunate in that. But that's not where I've seen other agents. Uh, I know for a fact there's other agents that have you know literally you know come to you know to to an impasse with with their their actual employers on what was and wasn't allowed, you've got to, you've got to be able to produce. You still got to be able to produce. You've you've got to be able to, to utilize that as a tool. And that's where I, you know, I think that if the agency owner is, you know, or the sales manager or whoever that, you know, is in direct contact there and really has some control there, if they can really work on it from both angles, it could be win-win. And I've seen it be win-win. There's definitely some agencies out there where there's some producers that are, are seeing that, and are seeing a real are seeing a real benefit now to having that personal brand. And I, I think go ahead. So, now, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I think that also so many agencies out there could do this in so many different ways and, and skin this cat a lot of different ways. They could, you know, even incentivize their you know their staff if they want to do their own brand and if they grow a certain book size, if they do certain things, they can incentivize them monetarily or whatever that motivational factor may be. And, you know, maybe even, you know, incentivize them to want to wear a tomato costume or dress up like a chef. (laughs) But I think that there's so, like I said, there's so many ways to skin that cat. And uh, again, uh, it it can look a lot of different ways. But I think that, you know, that's definitely something that as we evolve as a channel, that that could be, you know, beneficial. Instead of seeing so many others, these pop-up agencies, you could just see more of them staying home and developing their own brand. And using the social media platforms that we have and using podcasting or whatever it may be, I think that could be good for our brand. And I think it could be uh, good for our uh, our channel to see that continue to flourish. And uh, agency principals, as they get younger and some of the uh, experienced agents are retiring, uh, I think we might see more of that. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, what do you think? 
man, I love that guitar riff. Uh, but you know what that means? We're at a mid-roll ad. I got to talk to you about my friends over at Canopy Connect. They are your one-click solution to getting the deck pages. You need to quote your prospect. You know, lately I've been doing some demos with them and introducing them to some of you, my citizens out there. And each time that happens, you guys sign up and you call me weeks later like, oh my gosh, you were not lying. This is unbelievable. Uh, it actually works. I send this to my customers. Within seconds, I get the deck pages. They think it's great. I think it's great. And now you can create customizable links for your referral partner that you can send them that they use. And again, it sends you those deck pages in seconds. You get your business done. Uh, the customer's happy. The referral partner's happy. You're right in business, improving your agency. Oh my gosh, it's unbelievable. Uh, check it out. Use canopy.com. Tell them the mayor sent you. Let's get back to the show. I definitely think that we're going to see more of it. And I, I, what I'm seeing is that my question going back to what I had posted recently on LinkedIn is I want to understand more of what people really want to, to do. What, what, what are they looking at? What are they expecting out of a quote unquote brand? What, what do they want it to look like? And, and some, I mean, some of the valid points that I had brought up to me and I've had brought up on other channels other than just LinkedIn is the idea that it's not necessarily a tomato costume. It's not necessarily dressing as the insurance chef. It's not like, you know, my good friends, you know, my good friend, Carrie Reynolds, that, you know, absolutely wore out the insurance goddess. She, you know, she, and, and, and really, even though it, it, that did great things for her, she's like, I'll be okay if I never have to put that goddess outfit on again. You know, we don't, you know, don't wear out a gimmick. And it, to me, I looked at that as I right. was, as I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do back then, because, you know, this has been some years ago, this was over seven years ago, eight years ago now that I started as the farm to fork insurance agent. And, and really the only advice that I got from Joey Giangola, when I was talking to him as one of the first victims of his, in your own words podcast was he said, so are you wanting to do a niche? And I said, yeah, I'd really like to do a niche. And he goes, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I'd really like to do farm insurance because I think that there's not enough independent agencies out there that are working on it. And I'm passionate about it. I ha we have good markets for it. I think that it would tie into everything I've already done. It's such a mix of the personal and commercial that I've I've been experienced with for the last 20 years. And, and he said, then you just need to go after it. And literally you just need to go where they are is kind of where he put me. He just like, you know, you figure out where they're at and you go there. And it didn't mean that I had to put myself in a, you know, in a tomato costume, but I did. And that's where I think that I want to see where now there's opportunities for people to, to just themselves as their brand is just who they are. You know, what are they bringing to the table you know, is it, is it just, you know, an enthusiastic passion for whatever that industry is that they want to, to dial down on? Is it coming from, from having worked perhaps in that realm? I know that, you know, the, there's definitely, like you said, this being a second career, there's people out there that, you know, that that would be perfect for them where they, they came from having worked in the, you know, in an industry of some sort, Maybe they are a former contractor and they just, that was something that, you know, they, they got caught up in a situation and they just want to get out of that insurance. They want to do insurance. They could build upon that. They could build upon that knowledge. 
I know people who, of course, yeah, who, I, you know, I think, that's it. I think you're dead on. I think you're dead on. And I think, you know, you're onto something. I see this a lot in consulting, and you probably did too, where it may be a guy that was uh, in restaurant management for 15 years who's got worn out with 80 hour weeks. And he says, let's go into insurance and insure that. Or I've known a lot of pastors that have gone into insurance for churches, or like you said, contractors, or car dealership owners, or they've worked in car, you know, car lots. And they say, I'm going to go out and write insurance and use car dealerships or franchise dealerships, farmers, whatever it might be. Uh, I've seen that an awful lot. And I think that it works um, because you know, the language already, if you've worked in restaurant management for 15 years, you said, I'm tired of that life. I would like to have a normal eight to five where I can see my kids then I think you can go in and know the language. You know the safety controls they need. You know what to look for in sprinklers and ansel systems, and you know what to look for in slip-resistant mats, and you know what to look for in whatever. If you could speak that language and probably sell a hell of a lot of restaurant insurance if you've got the markets and you've got the appetites and you've got the uh, the knowledge. So why not? So yeah, I think you're right on that. And so I appreciate you bringing that up. And really, I think that what I would like to see more agents do is just to bridge that gap that has always kind of been there on that between what they do personally and what they do professionally on social media. That's been significant for me. I know that, say for instance, on my Instagram, that that's something that just crossed over very early on. I went from just, I joined Instagram just because I wanted to get away from Facebook. Anybody else? Anybody else? Right. Uh, <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> raising their hands. You know. It was it was just I gotta get away from this. And this has been, you know, a fair number of years ago, but it was already to the point where I was not having a good time anymore. And if you're not having a good time on social, try another channel. Just gonna tell you that because there's some folks out there that'll go, Oh, I just don't do just try something else. Try something else. You'll figure it out. There's other things out there. There's they've all got their pros and cons. Give it a try. But where that that line is 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 important as far as boundaries. I get that. But what I also see is such a huge possibility for, for most people who are in sales of any kind to really kind of let people in on who they are beyond their desk, who they are beyond that briefcase, who they are that somebody can relate to. And is it somebody that, you know, like you know, I get out and hike and I, you know, and I'm, I'm active and I do things. And then I go to farmer's markets and that was kind of, it, it flowed together for me. For somebody else, it is the fact that they, they dearly love golf or, or sporting events. It's the fact that they, they want to try the newest restaurants. And if they're including that in their social media already, it's not that far to kind of move it over and make it a little bit more about professional. It's what, about being authentic. Uh, and it's being about authentic. Con- yeah, keeping that consistent and authentic. And that's one of the things that even going back to when I was starting my podcast uh, a year and a half ago, which is crazy. It's been that long, but you know, I was trying to figure out, you know, what I wanted to do, what my brand was. And, and I already had, you know, the fortunate or unfortunate, how you look at it, nickname of being the mayor um, in insurance for, <laughs> you know, the, you know, the different events I'd been to and the things I'd done. And I'm a big relationship proponent and I'm a big, uh, you know, involvement in the community and volunteer work and things like that anyway. And so my wife was like, just run with it. So again, creating my own town and becoming the mayor, but then even from there, just being consistent with that, it was uncomfortable at first to, you know, talk in third person and call myself the mayor, but it's, it's caught on, it's become my brand. And then, 
you know, deciding when I scroll through Facebook or Instagram or whatever and see all these colors and bright colors and all this stuff, I decided I'm going to go the opposite route and go black and white with everything I post is in black and white. But I just stayed consistent with it. And I stayed with that. And I continued to post about relationships or continue to post about being involved in the community and continued to post about the things that I cared about. And I don't shy away from the fact that I used to be a pastor and I, I'm not going to shy away from my religious views or my spiritual views, even though I don't want to be offensive, but also don't want to shy away from that. That's who I am. And so, again, going back to what you said, being consistent, being authentic, uh, I think it's going to go a long way. And, and somehow, you know, by grace of God and by a lot of luck, you know, I have created a brand and you called me mayor coming on here. I wouldn't have been called that a year and a half ago by you, but it's been something that's cool that, you know, we've created out of consistency and authenticity. And that's, it's kind of a weird thing. I, I don't even, I don't know if you're like me, but I, I just don't remember growing up that people could just declare themselves as something and become it. But it is a, it is, is something that's, it's viable. It's possible to do that, that I just decided I was going to be the farm and fork insurance agent and just started calling myself that started showing up as that. People if you build it, it, they will come. If you build it, they will, they will come. And, you know, you became mayor. Uh, I know other people who've done, you know, similar types of things. It's, it, it is that self-fulfilling prophecy. It is that, you know, you, you're going after what it is that you want to be and becoming that. And we know that from, from actually even a Christian perspective, that that's, you know, that that's a, it's, it's a good thing. I mean, if, if we're, if we're really like for us, we might say that, you know, if we're wanting to become more like Jesus, I mean, we've got a really good example well, you know, if we're putting ourselves out there consistently as something, whatever that something is, that's what people will begin to believe. You believe it, they'll believe it. And that's where I think the actual beauty of branding is, is for somebody who is new to insurance or younger and perhaps is like, well, you know, I mean, are they going to take me seriously? You know, I've, I've only been in insurance for a year now. I've only been in insurance for a couple of years now. Well, if you come on like you know what you're talking about and you have put in the time and effort to do that consistently, it, 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 ha- it, it can happen. It, it can happen. It, you, you, you actually give yourself the credibility. You grow your own credibility. You grow your own credibility. I'm, I'm going to stand on that, that hill. No, you should. And it's about having that confidence and believing in yourself. And, you know, it all goes back to, you know, the old phrase of fake it till you make it. And sometimes yeah. you have to do that, whatever that brand may be. And I think it works. And, you know, I talked about Bradley earlier, so I can't leave Scott out. But my, my man, Scott Howell, talks about him branding himself in his town as the insurance guy. Yeah. And um, he, he was talking about being at a, uh, a tailgate with Auburn, Alabama, and that big rivalry there. And you know, someone, he was at a tailgate party and someone walked up and said, Hey, you're the insurance guy. And he was like, yeah. I, I knew right then and there it worked. You know, all that time me branding myself is that it works now I'm being recognized at, at parties as the insurance guy. And it's so good for his image and his brand. And so there you go, Scott, I mentioned you as well, but I really do think it goes <laughs> what we're talking about here. Uh, I love those two dearly. Well, you know, and it has to be individual. I know that, you know, if say, for instance, you want to be Jared Belmond and go join All Choice Insurance, you grow a beard. That's what you do. That's what you do for branding. That's what my good friend Jared did. <laughs> I can't. I can't grow a beard. Okay. So right. you know. It might look so funny. What What do you do with that? You You have to figure out something that's really you, 
And so when you say authentic, that's probably at the heart of it. I think that, it, it, you know, if you want to go out and, you know, you decide that your agency has a tremendous market for waste management, you don't like waste management, you don't want to really deal with waste management, don't do waste mon- management. I mean, even if that's something that seems like it would be fantastic, if it's not going to fit you, we go back to that lifestyle idea, it has to be authentic and it has to be part of who you are. And, and maybe, you know, you're just, you know, somebody just has to kind of figure it out. I mean, I know that there's maybe not a lot of profit margin in, you know, people who love to do, I don't know, potholders. Maybe that's not something you're going to be able to, to really, you know, beekeeping though, that might be pretty, I mean, I can see that somebody who's like really into beekeeping could do a pretty good job. The money's probably not there. What I'm saying is, is it's got to be realistic. It's got to be realistic. And you know, that's you know, such a squirrel moment. If you didn't feel like you were a mayor, you would not be able to come across as actually, you know, being authentic. Um, so don't try to be something you're not. And, and that's part of it, I think, as well, because it's got to be you. And that's that's what people buy, though. And, and that's where people are looking for. They want somebody relatable, somebody that they can feel like understands where they're coming from. And it, it isn't just putting on a costume. It's not just putting yourself out there with a title that you make up unless it's something that you can actually back it up with your own beliefs and with the desire to really make it work. Yeah. And, you know, as we're, as we're wrapping up a little bit, I wanted to get into, okay, so you're in, um, you know, you've been there almost a year now, but uh, is this something, I don't know the, the culture there and how big the agency is, but is this something that you're able to to discuss with some of the staff there and building their own brands? And is this something you're able to do with the producer you're working with now? Is this something you're bringing to Chattanooga? <laughs> So they're unique, and I really recognize that what they have built themselves on is is different. But what I see working for different producers, not only the one that I'm I'm working with primarily, but I, the office that I'm located in in Chattanooga, I'm kind of in the bull box. So literally, I'm like with a bunch of guys that are producers in the office, and I get to hear their conversations. Luckily, they, you know, they actually do like let me in on some of the, the conversations that they're having, trying to pick the right carriers for the, you know, what they're going after and some of those marketing type of things come up. And it's been interesting because I just don't know that any of them really had come from a background of thinking of marketing themselves and branding themselves. But I've literally already gone through each and every one of them knows we've, we've gone through and we've kind of evaluated their LinkedIn what their LinkedIn looks like, what the wording looks like. We've, we've gone through and done some of those kind of things where we're trying to figure out how we can, you know, can get them into the places they need to be now that they can get out more again for, for the different niches that they are in. My boss, he's into so many different things. I'm like, pick a niche, dude, pick a niche, but he won't. And it's, it's been good for him and it's not been a bad thing. But one of the things that what we're doing instead of from that outside social media or that outside type of presence or, or even a website, because the one of his particular niches is so close knit, like everybody knows everybody in that industry and it's not particularly social media driven, if that makes any sense. You don't see as many. I, I didn't think that farmers were, but Twitter, it'll it'll tell you different. You ever go, don't look at the hashtag ag Twitter, you'll be in a hole. You'll just like go for a- ages. I mean, there's so much out there. But his particular niche that he does a lot of business in, instead, what we're really trying to develop is more going deeper on the program and having that that real ability to bring in a package and say, here's the case study of of what we've been able to do for 
others in your industry and those kinds of things. So we're doing more of what I see as my opportunity to work some of those kind of things in branding him kind of behind the scenes, if that makes sense, to where when he goes to call on somebody, then he can actually show what he's got to offer. It's not So you're developing... That- multiple micro niches within his book. Yes, we have been. I've been going through and trying to figure out where he's really seen the most similarities. He's, you know, he's got some municipalities, but where does he go with that? You know, he's got schools, he's got some other things, but you know, do you, do you want to go deeper in that? Or there's this one particular industry that he's really been big in. And I'd like to see him be able to go further in because it's, he's actually already writing ones all across the country. And that's, that's a huge thing, but that's where a lot of times it's easier to just come in and brand him as having the, the, he's the guy that has the solution. And this is where, you know, he's got the solution that he brings with him. And it really kind of goes into where I've learned from sales guys like Anthony Iannarino, who are, you know, they're sales guys, they're not insurance sales guys, but where you go in and you bring in value-based solutions and you come in as the expert, he, he doesn't have to necessarily go on Twitter and tweet every week about that particular niche. He may or may not even get seen that way, but there's still marketing involved. There's still branding involved. It's just looking different than what I was used to doing and where I see there's a ton of other possibilities. And some of the other producers were looking at maybe how they can do more branding from a social media standpoint, for him, it's really more of really honing in on making sure that when he brings in a package to somebody that he comes across as having all the solutions, you know, in, in one, one-stop shop. And uh, it's a different, just a different animal. It's, it's, it's all the same idea, but it's just a different animal. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Uh, and, and I, you know, I love all that. And one of the things that before we, we truly wrapped up, uh, as I mentioned earlier, and you brought up social media and uh, I've switched platforms so many times, you know, uh, because I'll get tired of one. But right now, my my love is is LinkedIn and most people that listen know that about me. Um, but and I do some stalking with my guests before they come on. But one of the things I wanted to wrap up with, because uh, we're all about soapboxes here in, in Insurance Town. And I wanted to let you stand on one that I noticed on your LinkedIn that you said something about was mentorship. And uh, you you say that on your thing, contact me for several things. And one of the things was mentorship. Tell me where you come from on that. Uh, what does that mean to you? Is that something you have a mentor that's impacted you or you have the opportunity to mentor others? Uh, can we stand on that soapbox a few minutes before we wrap up? Yes, that's interesting. And I appreciate the curveball. That's something that I haven't had an opportunity to really talk about. It's something that I came from a background of, and this is this is something that's it's it's pretty personal in that being a female in the insurance industry, especially when I started, there was you were only see there was only CSRs. I, I I didn't know anybody else who was in insurance that wasn't a CSR. There were maybe a few underwriters. There definitely were a few claims adjusters and so forth. There was some people that I knew, but it was not something where I felt pr- comfortable as producer. It took me a lot of years to finally get up the courage to, to ask and see if I could write, start writing business of my own beyond a little bit in personal lines. I did a little bit in personal lines at that point, but I had some really strong uh, mentors within the industry that I met through the International Insurance Association of Insurance Professionals. I have to think because I, I can see the, you know, can see the acronym, but it's harder to, to actually it say used all those to be words. The- 
It used to be the Association of Women or the Insurance Yeah, National Women. Association of Insurance Women, NAIW. Right. And then it became, right. I, it became IAAP. And, and Billy Sleet was my, was my mentor. She was uh, in my organization locally. She was part of my chapter for IAP that I had started that chapter locally within Western North Carolina. And it was, she just happened to have moved there, had retired there, semi-retired there, and had spent a lot of years in the industry and spent a lot of years really championing women and and growing yourself professionally. She was fantastic to be around. She she always believed that I could do whatever I you know wanted to do. And and so whenever I had any ideas of like, oh, I was just thinking about doing this, she, you know, she was good to go, this is how I would approach it. You know, maybe you need to get these kind of players involved. Have you thought about, you know, what their arguments are going to be back at you? You know, you really thought this through. He, she was my sounding board. And that's to me what a true mentor is. And I, you know, one of the things that I've, I've been thinking about for some years now, especially having been through as many different aspects of the industry, I don't consider myself a mentor as much as just a champion for, for other women in the industry. And I've been looking for, and have, I alluded to this with, with, a with my, my talk with, with Dustin a while back on awkward insurance podcast was the, uh, the, the idea that I want to recognize other women that I see within the industry to build them up and, and, and there to be a camaraderie and to be a little bit more of a support system within the industry. Uh, I've been talking to some folks and in, in some of the local associations, say local associations, state associations, Tennessee, uh, even in North Carolina, how to build up within those state associations or from a, a national level to give to give women more opportunities to be agency owners, to 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 become more confident with with selling if that's what they want to do, or for that matter, just what can they do as a career to make it something that's more fulfilling to them than perhaps it had been in years past, if that makes any sense. So that's that's where I'm. I mean, so I don't know that I'm necessarily put myself out there as a mentor, but I know that because of having such a strong mentor in my past, uh, I definitely want to be able to kind of pass that torch along and and help other uh, women in the industry to to come into their own. Kelly does a great job of it. She's one that I know that she's kind of played around with some of those ideas of having a, a, a you know a mind. You know, she's had you know the the idea of having more of a, uh, a group of, of women behind the scenes that kind of can have a chance to, to work together. We'll see what happens. I just know that I, I'm hopeful that one of these days that I'll get a chance to, to use that in my, I'll get a chance to give back is really what I want to do. Yeah, that's fantastic. I just released an episode actually today, not to date the podcast, but or actually tomorrow, I'm sorry. Um, that was Kelly was a part of with my wife, um, who's also a, a large champion for women in the industry. And it was Actually, six ladies on a podcast that, you know, uh, talking about, you know, women in the industry, talking about account managers and, and being producers and being different roles within agencies. Uh, you got to check that one out. Maybe that could be the first one you listen to. Um, I'll do it. I promise. <laughs> no, it's going to be really good. Uh, but it'll release on July 15th. Not to date the podcast too much. But if someone's listening two years from now, they can go back to that one. But um you know, I'm really proud of, of my wife as she's in the insurance industry as well. And she's worked super hard to get to where she's got as the CEO of the PA of Arkansas. And that's such a big deal to our family. We, we're raising two daughters at home and to show them that you don't have to settle for anything as a female in the industry. And, you know, I don't want to get too much into it because I am a male in this industry. And so it's hard for me to, to understand where you're at. 
but watching my wife work for 17 years in her job to work to where she's at now, I'm so proud of her and the example she's setting for uh, so many women in our industry, but more you know, personal to me, my two daughters at home and to show them that you can you know, make it to the top and you can be whatever you want to be. And my wife set out to be the CEO or the EVP of the professional insurance agents here in Arkansas. And lo and behold, with a lot of sheer will and determination and grace of God, she's done that. And so I appreciate you saying what you said about your mentor and what she's done for you, what you want to do for others. I know, like you said, Kelly's so good at that. There's so many, Dustin, another one you mentioned. There are so many out there that are wonderful champions for women in our industry. And uh, that's a huge near and dear to my heart because I do have, you know, three crazy women in my house that uh, <laughs> that I love dearly. My, my son and I are outnumbered, uh, <laughs> but that's okay. Um, so yeah, it, it means a lot to me as well. So again, I know uh, for you know, your time's sake and mine and the audience as well. I want to make sure that uh, we wrap up and uh, I wanted to give you an opportunity. If there's anything else that you would like to share, uh, especially get into, if you wanted to share some of your contact info, if anybody wants to reach out to you, whether they're a female or a male, uh, or if they want to, you know, talk to you more about, you know, uh, their own brand. uh, If you could share your contact info a little bit, I would love that. I am Tracy Cotton, Tracy L. Cotton on most channels, but my new moniker that I'm kind of sort of branding, not for insurance, but for my own selfish purposes, is Nuga Nugal. And that is what I am on Instagram and think that that's the only one that probably shows up as. But Nuga Nugal is my, my, new, my new thing. So, and I would love, I'd love to, to catch up with some folks and, and talk to them more about whatever questions they might have in regard to branding or anything else insurance related. Thanks so much, Mayor. I really appreciate being on here. Man, I really enjoyed it too. We'll have to do it again. Thank you so much. Uh, I hope you have a great rest of your day. You do the same. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking time today to check out my conversation with Miss Tracy Cotton. What a great conversation. I really hope that the content we brought you made you a better insurance professional. A couple of weeks ago, you heard my interview with Caribou Honig of ITC. I have partnered up with them, and I'm so excited that I have because that means big value for you, the listener. If you haven't checked out ITC Connect, I put a link in the show notes. I'm also going to put a link on my uh, social media post. Uh, I'll send out an email in my next newsletter about it. You're not going to miss this. It's one of the biggest and best conventions in the insurance industry across the country. You're not going to want to miss it. Uh, Plus, you get a discount for being one of my listeners. Uh, Can't wait. Uh, Go check it out. Uh, Go click on the show links. Uh, You're going to love it. Guys, if you've got an idea for your own show uh, or you think uh, that you've got some fresh ideas, get with my guys over at Ready, Set, Podcast. They do a fantastic job on that. A phenomenal job. A great job. A wonderful job. All the wonderful things. Uh, Ryan is everywhere. You can find him on Instagram. You can find him on Facebook, on LinkedIn, uh, just about everywhere. Or you can go to his website, getreadysetpodcast.com, and tell him the mayor sent you. Getreadysetpodcast.com. Ready, set, podcast, turning your brilliant idea into reality. Thanks again, guys, and I can't wait to hang out with you again next week.